Hello folks, welcome to another fun-filled literary episode of Seishura, the Music Explorers podcast. As always, I'm Scoot Magoot. I'm Jim Jam. And our book club segment is back. However, um, not without precedent, we've, we've, you know, typically we cover a non-fiction music book, but uh, we did cover Uzubaki by Junji Ito in the past, and so we figured... Why not? It's our podcast. We make the rules. Um, well, to be fair, I, I don't even know if I would count that episode as a book club. Well, it was a, I mean, it was it, a book it, and we it, talked about it. Yeah, I, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, it, the thing is, like, Uzumaki is uh, not a book about music. And I guess neither is this, but it has musical connections, which is why we're reading it. Yes. And so it is yeah. musically connected because... It was written by none other than Char Darnielle, who is the frontman, primary lyricist, songwriter for one of my favorite bands, uh, The Mountain Goats. And also Scott's man crush. Yeah, yes. And if, if you've read, um, or, or rather, sorry, if you've listened to any extent, you know, The Mountain Goats to any extent, it, it's not surprising. You know, it, it, certainly there's precedent for artists kind of... Um, you know, dabbling in different mediums, and certainly it makes sense that a songwriter or a lyricist would want to, you know, spread out in different directions. Uh, like, for example, uh, Keith Buckley from Every Time I Die actually has a few books, uh, oh. which I'd be interested in, in reading. I just haven't been able yeah. to find any copies. So, certainly, like, I, th- I can think of other examples where this has happened. Uh, but Yeah, or, or, or like how, like, I, I noticed that the Flunzer put out a book that you reviewed um, yeah. last year? Yeah. Or was it the year before? I think it was, uh, yeah. Uh, I think it was a couple of years before, but uh, yeah. In any case, this is now his third book. Uh, technically fourth. He did write yeah. an installment of Thirty Three and a Third about Master Reality. He took a very unique, um, unique take on it. Usually, those are nonfiction, and he wrote a narrative about um, you know, a young man in a psychiatric facility, you know, who, who is listening to the album and, and talking through that perspective. And I feel like if I had read his books sequentially, because I, 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 you know, didn't. I read them all years after they came out. I think that would have kind of given a a window into the way he would. It kind of would have foreshadowed the unique way that he structured all three of his novels. Uh, the one we're talking about today is Devil House, which just came out in late January, but previously. His debut was Wolf and White Van, which was a really unique. Um, it, it was a like a choose your own adventure theme, but it it just it was a very unique way to present the idea of like choices and the way that all of our choices kind of make uh, like kind of cascade and inform everything else, and it was re- delivered if. Uh... If I can quote one of my favorite high school movies, Wanted, it's, we, we don't know how uh, how far the ripples of our decisions go, if you will. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. a that's a nice yeah. way to put it. And I think yeah. that that was delivered really beautifully. And I was excited to check out his second book, Universal Harvester, which actually I think received more acclaim. Um, it was a thriller based around 
uh, a video store in, in like a, a rural part of I believe Iowa and that one candidly didn't work as well for me it felt like it was a little bit too there was a little bit too much going on um, it was a little bit too much he was trying to pull off and I the thing the thing that's kept me interested across both books you know I liked Wolf and White Van I didn't love Universal Harvester it's just I really love his writing. I love the way he writes. I love his voice, the way he describes things. Um, and so going into Devil House, personally, I was... Um, I don't know. I was very... I wasn't sure what to expect, just because I, I liked his take on 33 and a third Master Reality, but it, that was a that was kind of a unique you know, outlier in a way. Uh, and mm. you know, kind of 50-50 on his previous output. Um I wasn't really sure what to think about this. I thought that the framing sounded interesting. The fact that it was kind of a, a take on almost the morality of true crime. That was the way I think the tagline was something like, you know, true, like who, who, you know, it's, it's about storytelling and who, like who can tell stories. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing, but basically it was mm. just about like the idea of like, who is, you know, who is capable, who is able, who should tell certain stories. Um, and certainly it was, I think it's, it's close to twice as long as either of his previous books. I think both his previous books were somewhere around the 200 page mark. And this one is, is just a hair over 400 pages. Um, so with all that being the case, uh, I dove in cautiously optimistic just cause I liked the premise. Uh, I certainly have always enjoyed his writing. If you know, his storytelling sometimes has not landed all that well for me, um, but I definitely went in just kind of just interested to see what I'd find. And, and now I just want to turn over to you and see what you, what you were, what you were thinking. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess, um, I think before I get sort of into my, into a little bit of my spiel, um, should probably preface this by kind of, because I, I think, you know, with previous books, you know, we've mostly gone into nonfiction. So, you know, this, our foray into fiction, um, I, I think comes with it, uh, bring, brings with it some, some little caveats. And so I think one of them is just, we're going to try to keep this thing spoiler free to a certain point in time. Um, after which, you know, like we'll, 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 we'll say something just, just because I, I feel like that's fair. Uh, and also considering just that there are some things that happen in this book that, um, I think one might not expect, but maybe in the way you, I, it's, I, I don't want to go any further than that right now yeah um, for sure so yeah so we're gonna try to keep it spoiler free um so okay to get into this i mean i i guess i guess just to kind of follow what you were saying you know my i wasn't really sure what my expectations were going in because i know you really liked wolf and white van and universal harvester looked really interesting to me um because it it sounded a lot like the movie lost highway um, which I, I'm a massive David Lynch fan, so you know it's, it was just kind of cool to see that idea uh, played out. And you know, maybe probably not the same way, but anyway, um, you know, in sort of, you know, his I, I I think they described this book as like quote unquote formally experimental or something like that, and so that always perks my ears just as um, you know a writer. I guess I'm kind of loath to call myself that right now, but. Um, um, I, I definitely have a, like a very vested interest in sort of experimental literature and, you know, writers kind of doing new things with the craft instead of kind of doing the same old, 
you know, third person narrative, uh, you know, and that whole like Freytag plot diagram bullshit, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, they like that definitely, you know, ba- basically like, you know, the way it was advertised and sort of the way you spoke about Darniel's writing beforehand, you know, both kind of spoke to me in, you know, just basically said, you know, this might be really cool. And, um, I mean, I, I will admit, I, I, I think he has a marvelous, like, he he can write a sentence. Like, you know, he always, he has these points of phrase that I just, like, love. Um, I have a couple of them right here. It's, um, it says, uh, you know, two stray giggles, pebbles down an empty well, mm-hmm. just to describe, like, um, someone laughing at somebody in, like, high school. Um, or just... The, the line anger passes disappointment vibrates mm-hmm. oh, uh, nice or, yeah 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 secret uh secrets require care and nurturing they die when they hit the air mm. like I, it's it's like he he has these like I, I like i i think a real like real show of mastery is when you're able to say a lot with very little mm-hmm. but on top of that you're able to put it in a way that uh has like a flow to it has like an energy mm-hmm. to it um and he does that just i mean so easily and it's it's awesome um yeah i think that's just real quick i think that's uh yeah. that's his personality showing through because he always um you kind of has an eclectic palette of interests uh i don't know if you yeah. like it, he i don't know if you've seen his what's in my bag he did a remote segment or like he periodically released his favorite albums of the year and he'll talk about some of his other interests um he just is very he's very casual you know very like easy to read like he's very easy to listen to when you listen to him talk but he's also very i don't know i don't know if precise is the word but he just he's very well well spoken i don't know it's it's a very nice balance where like it's well written it's not too casual or Maybe not crass, I, but it's, it's I, not too informal. But it certainly is. It, you can still relate to it. Yeah, it, it's a great balance, and you know, because I mean, I, I've read some pretty incomprehensible works of fiction <laughs> in my time, and um, this is not one of them. You know, or at least ninety percent of it. You know, the the if if, if you know what I'm talking in, about, I'm the, interested in that percentage. I'm, I, yeah, I, the, I know we're talking about that. Yeah, there, there's one chapter in particular that we'll, we'll get to. Um, yeah, I like he has this. He definitely has this way of being approachable, but at the same time, you know, sort of being able to play around with the written word in a way that doesn't alienate readers. Mm. Um, and that's like that's a really difficult thing to do in in my experience, anyway. Um, you know, because I think it's it's so easy to just get all flowery and like you know, really just, you know, cut a rug, basically, all over the page. <laughs> um, yeah, I, so, I don't know, do you, so I, I, I guess, let's, how do you, how do you want to structure this? Um, so I guess, because, uh, oh, did you have a, a thought? Oh, you, you can go for it. I was going to say the central, I'd be interested to talk about, maybe a good place to start is the central thesis. So the, the point of the book is... The protagonist is a true crime writer. Yeah. And it specifically goes through two separate true crime stories that he's written about and you know, and or is currently writing. Um, yeah. and I and uh I, I think Yeah, uh, but what were you gonna say? 
Oh, I was just going to say, it, it, it takes the lens with which those stories are told, and it's this point, the central thesis is, is kind of told in different ways. What he meant by you know storytelling and who gets to tell them, I think makes a lot more sense when you're engaging with the idea of, of true crime. That you know, mm. it's one thing if you're watching a you know a piece of horror fiction where you know it's all made up. It's another thing when you're watching you know a true crime story unfold and all of the people mentioned are real people. And what does that mean for you know their memories? What does it mean for the people who knew them? What does it mean for the even the people who were, were just you know, tangentially involved because they lived in the town where that murder happened. Um, that was a theme throughout that. Um, I, I thought he, I thought it was conveyed well. I mean, I thought it was interesting. And certainly, there were there were parts of the book where there was one chapter in in particular where a family member of one of the victims he wrote about, like that, was really impactful yeah. for me, especially because uh, if you ever listen to the Sunset Tree by the Mountain Goats. It's all about Darnio growing up in California with his abusive stepfather. So it just felt, uh, it felt really, yeah. It just felt really, really like it added an extra weight. Like I think it was powerful as is, but if if, if you knew that, which you like, that being a big fan of the Sunset Tree and the Mountain Goats, knowing that on top of it, it really added to, like, you know, how much of this is from Darnio's real experience. So yeah, I thought for the, uh, yeah, I thought for the most part. It was, it was well executed. Um, I think you know another angle is the fact that he did spend a lot of time. Like there were parts where I was like, why is he going through? Like there's this one character where he, the pages upon pages describing their apartment, and I was just like, what are we, what are we doing here? Like describing like their routine and whatnot. And I think, just as the book progressed, it's clear that he was trying to humanize people. He was trying to add some humanity to people that were just basically if you're reading a true crime novel they're just you know they're just characters you know to the reader they're just characters but these were actually real people yeah um, and i think on top of that i think there's you know that you know in a true crime novel there's always the bad guy and very rarely do you know i think you you tend to see them in any other light because you know they're doing horrible things mm -hmm. but i you know he he does a good job of sort of you know, and I think that that's the whole character of, of Gage Chandler, who's the, the main character, you know, is, mm -hmm. you know, he, he makes a note of like, or, or at least within the text, like within the timeline of this story, he makes a big note of, you know, trying to put um, sort of an accurate face on people, not just one that will sell. Uh, yeah. Which which ends up sort of leading him, I guess, in interesting places. Um, you know, sort sort of that fight, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, you know, between you know the sort of the the truth and sort of the allure of fiction. Um, yeah, you know, I something occurred to me after you know, sort of near the end of reading this. Um, you know, when I was in graduate school, um, my mentor would uh you know when when we were doing writing workshop he would have uh sort of a list of questions that he would have everybody fill out instead of a traditional like workshop critique um because you know he found that it was it was just kind of like like every workshop critique was kind of the same old thing 
after a while that it was like oh well you know i like the i, I like the story but this this and this was bad like but it was good though you know <laughs> and so he um he was trying to work around that and um the first question he always put on it was uh where is the energy in the story coming from and um you know when you explain it like that like sort of that you know it's kind of following you know true crime and you know sort of the you know sort of the idea of of you know storytelling within true crime you know i i think that maybe makes a little more sense during the actual reading of it for me i i that was probably my biggest critique with this book and probably the thing that kind of um i mean spoilers didn't really make me enjoy the book a ton um was just it it felt like there wasn't like a lot of like i i guess there there wasn't like a lot of centralized energy if that makes any sense like i i I didn't think that um there wasn't like it, it felt like it was trying to do all of these things at once you know all these different things and trying to bring them all together when it could have just done like one or two of them and done them very well and um and so i think it was just so dispersed out and i it's like it like it wasn't really sure what it wanted to be almost to me yeah um and that that really bugged me especially when uh at the end um okay okay you know can, can we i mean i don't know if we want to make this our spoiler <laughs> Like, I, I, uh, I okay let, 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 let's call it because um you know I, I i feel like most people who are into you know who i i feel like you know you the listener have a good idea of whether you think this book would be interesting or not so you know now is your time to go not listen to the rest of this or do what you will uh okay now so let's go yeah <laughs> so i i always hesitate to say like i i didn't I don't get something just because I don't. I mean, just candidly, I don't want to sound stupid. Like I don't want to say like, oh, I didn't get that ending. It's like, what you didn't get it. It's so obvious. I did. I mean, maybe I should frame it like this. It, it, the ending did not work for me. I, I just. Oh yeah. It felt like. It, it it felt like he didn't know how to end it. Uh, yeah, because I don't I don't really even know what happened. And actually, so he's he's having a conversation with someone. Who, yeah, I, I thought it, he, from their point of view. Yeah, and I thought too. we were gonna find out that they were the killer from the the murder house arc. Like that first, See, I thought. I, it's funny. I, I I thought it was gonna be like I, I I thought it was gonna be more of like a horror story, and like Gage was gonna kind of kind of like try to almost like an Amityville horror thing where he's trying to like redo the murder almost. Yeah. Oh, I could um, see that. Actually, that would have been really interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, uh, but I mean, I I think this book is too literary for that in some yeah. ways. But um, I think that's, yeah, that's really I, interesting. I, I I see what you mean. Yeah, like like sort of you, you thought that um, his friend was going to be the killer. Well, so I thought um, about it first. Like maybe like he figured he pieced together that he was like I think everyone's thought that it was, or at least in my mind, it was okay. The killer was was Alex. The killer was you know that character. Yeah. Um, well, you know, so well, when I when I look back at it, how they described um, he described uh, Siraj, like how he just kind of like tossed Siraj in there right at the end of the Devil House segment. Yeah, uh, I, I was like, wait, who? Like, who is that? Yeah, um, but but, but it, then even further, uh, I mean, the because I don't think we ever find out there they ever mentioned the name of the person who's narrating at the in the final part. Um, um, I I think it's mentioned at the beginning, possibly. Uh, um, um, 
But because I, I remember because he was like, oh, yeah, you know, like I knew Milpitas, California from my friend who stayed there briefly. Yeah. But I, I don't know if he named him or not. But regardless, the narrator, I mean, pretty like I think that's when I, I really was like, oh, no, is when there were like maybe at most you know, three to five pages left. And the narrator was like, wait a second, like, I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but like, like, I have so many questions, like, basically, I don't really understand like, what, what what's going on. And then it's just not answered. Like, I feel like Gage threw a ton of curveballs that yeah. seemed kind of nonsensical. And then it, it just and, kinda... and he's just like, yeah, it was all fake. <laughs> and I was like, but what? <laughs> like, yeah. it just, it was, I, I, I really didn't, I still don't really know what to make of it. I, I don't really... I really don't know I, what happened. So, I uh, th- this is this is what I took away. Um, you know, I think maybe if I had read, uh, maybe read it again or read a little more closely, it could be different. But from what I understand, it's like since you know the the agreement that his publisher decided on was like it had to be you know this many words about specifically these murders that took place in this time you know, committed in this house in like in this way almost. And so it was so narrow of a focus that he couldn't possibly even begin to make that come true. Like, like, like especially granted, like because of what he found out that, you know, there were no kids that were actually involved with these murders or anything like that. And so he ended up having to, you know, fake it in a, in a, in a way. Um, that that that's kind of my best takeaway. Um, but that, it, felt, but, it felt like a wasted read then. Like that that was yeah. Oh that, yeah, for sure. That, that was kind of what I felt. I was like, wait. So with five pages left, you're like, oh, by the way, all that shit. Nah. Did, I mean, like, yeah, like, I, I, like, I know it's a work of fiction. I, so like, obviously, he made all this up. Yeah, but regardless, but, but, but there's but, but there's reader expectation. Like yeah. you know, the, there's there's a thing called like you know the difference between a twist and a red herring is that the twist actually brings information to light and actually pieces the story together whereas a red herring is just a diversion to get to a different part of the story but if you're placing you know if your story is mostly a red herring like that's just kind of an fu you know to the audience in some ways because you you've just said oh yeah you know all of this that you said here is a fucking waste even though like like and i i think that's maybe a slightly flippant way to look at it because i i think I think going back, if you write it again, which I mean, frankly, I I don't really know if I'd want to, but um, you know, I I think that you could look through the details and sort of sift through everything in the same way that Gage would go through information and research and kind of see, oh, okay, I know where he's talking about here and here and here, you know, um, but it's still like it's it's just like, it, yeah, it 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 just felt really slapdashed. And it, and not to mention, like, I felt like a lot of the, um, you know, I, I think maybe this was a bigger complaint because I mean, I, I think, you know, having these plot details kind of like fizzle out in a really kind of stupid way at the end is, is kind of disappointing in its own way. But I think what I found more annoying was the sort of the way that the, the, the focus would just shift for no apparent reason. And I, I think, you know, maybe it's because I, I really wasn't aware of that whole, like, who tells the story type of, like, thematics going on. Um, but, like, you know, like, like the whole, like, the whole White Witch segment where, like, he's talking about the White Witch from her point of view. 
Like, I, I thought that was a beautiful segment, but it, it served no purpose for me. I'm like, what does this have to do with the Devil House? And, like, same thing with the, um, with the letter from, you know, like, the second-person letter about one of the, the mother of the White Witch's, one of the White Witch's victims, you know, like that like again beautiful writing like really compelling i mean like i you know knowing what you just said about daniel's you know uh upbringing just really brings it home and really just makes it all that more like awful to read and it's you know like a, like a kind of terrible beauty um you know like a beautiful segment but at the same time it 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 felt like it it had no it, it, it didn't belong there in a way and I mean, this isn't even talking about, you know, what we're saying, we're talking about that one chapter. What is it? The the, the book of uh, Garbonian, I believe. Uh, uh, so that, that that is just all old English in old English black letter text or that, font. You know, I appreciate risks. I really do. Yeah, that did not work for me at all. I mean, I, I mean, this is just again, this is, maybe it's a personal thing. This is silly of me to think, but. I read pretty quickly. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but books are not printed with this typeface anymore. So yeah. <laughs> I, after a while, I just kind of, I just skimmed it because oh, yeah. I had a really me, me hard too. time with it. Um, but like, actually, speaking of that, um, the the climax of the Murder House story, when suddenly he switches it. I mean, this was kind of a theme throughout, the idea of like kings and knights and whatnot. But when the murder is actually happening and he suddenly shifts tone to basically writing mm. in medieval English like he's writing a King yeah. Arthur story. He, he, I, he did that a couple times but, in the Devil House but segment. But that was, like, there was one where the, it was, you could you could envision it as um, Seth, yeah, it, Seth it, and... Yeah, it was like two friends having like yeah. a fantastical time. Like they were, yeah. Okay, I got that. But when, like, the whole crux of, like, the, the climax where the murder actually happened and he's talking in this silly old English, that really... Yeah, I mean, I, 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 at least I, I feel like there could be like a, um, like, I, I think on a, like on a thematic level, I feel like that almost makes sense to do, whether it works or not. You know, I think is is obviously a matter of, of debate, but I mean, I, I feel like that part makes sense. The book of Garbonia, like, I, I, I just don't think like, was there any information in that that was relevant at all? Uh, it, it, it just felt like like um like there was just like a random section of a book just tossed in there yeah i mean i i i, I really again i didn't read it that yeah because I mean, it, it felt so like i started reading it, and first of all again it was tough just because the typeface is not i'm not used to reading like that and i read pretty quickly so it just yeah. wasn't easy for me to to kind of grasp but it just felt very because at first i thought the whole witch you know the the white witch arc I was like, I don't really get, like, what does this have anything to do with anything? But then when they circled around at the end and he got the letter from the mom, you know, detailing it, like, I thought, okay, that makes sense. And I, I thought how it was going to end, how I think it would have been made sense to end, is that he, we find out that he abandons the project because that really affects him. You know, that really, yeah, that really moves him to say, like, okay, I didn't, I didn't think about what I was doing in that light. Uh, the other thing, I don't really feel like we... Like, he made a big big deal about, like, trying to return the house to, like, the, the state of the crime and yeah. whatnot. Was that... I feel like that was kind of abandoned. Like, it, that, that didn't... Nothing really no, so happened I, with that. I, 
I, I think that was I I think that happened. Like I but but I think the reason he did it was to have those photos so he could prove it to his editor. Hmm. Okay. That, okay, that actually makes sense. That, that's my best guess though. Because I, I'm trying to like, like I'm trying to think like why else would you do that? Because it's like you could you know, he says, Oh, it's part of my process and it's like, yeah, um, sure. But you know, I, I was actually thinking of the um it's like that scene in the Boondock Saints where uh, where Willem Dafoe is is you know, right like like shooting with the uh, with the guys at the same it, like you know he's reconstructing the crime in his head while listening to opera music yeah. that whole thing yeah yeah it was kind of like that to me which um you know I th- this was something like during the whole Devil House segment really got to me I'm like like he doesn't know any of this like and th- th- this is before we kind of you know are exposed to sort of the quote-unquote plot twist at the end but just th- this idea of like he 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 knows Derek's schedule like he knows so Derek Seth and Alex he knows like all of their shit like down to the finest detail and like he even he, he even goes so far as to talk about the two victims in the crime you know and, and like you know what they did and like what exactly they did how many like what they tipped and it's like things like that and it's like okay you can figure out like how much they tipped but like a lot of this stuff is really speculation and and it's like why are you not saying anything like this especially when you're like going and saying you know oh my research is important and you know but 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 then you go and also say oh yeah nobody knows anything about like the relationship between these two people like but but only like just how they died like and it was like uh, okay like <laughs> it, I, I guess it makes more sense in terms of you know what you know in the ending because like you know he's just making it up but it's like I don't know like I, I you know on one hand you know you almost like I think with that information you almost look at it as like oh you know okay that that's really smart then but it's like but is it like, is it though? Like, or is it smart, or is it just kind of lazy? Yeah, like because that was something I thought about. Um, I mean, in the, um, the the White Witch segment, I felt like okay, maybe we're just doing some, you know, some some suspension of disbelief. You know, this is fiction because you're reading the details and you're like, how does he know any of like some of it? Some of the details, yeah. you're like, okay, like he that's. You, you, you could verify that somehow. But then it's like, maybe he's just, he's a, you know, it's kind of like, you know, based on a true story kind of thing. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess it was kind of right in front of us the whole time. The, you know, the explicit detail he was going into. It's like, but how would he know any of this? Yeah. Um, and, and, I mean, maybe that's, I mean, I, I think that's kind of the whole point is, like, again, trying to bring this idea of, like, veracity of, of like, you know, truth in these stories you know, to light because you know so much of it is is based on speculation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so you know it, it's yeah, it, it, it's an interesting idea, but I like like I think that's I think maybe that that's like this book in a nutshell is like you know cool ideas, poor execution in 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 some sense because I I think you know again like. I, I, I definitely have my issues with this book, but I found, like, on the whole, like, the writing, like, on, like, the sentence level to be really gorgeous. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's the... Uh, I, I don't know. Th- that's kind of... Now that we're two books in a row, I feel like it's just tough. I mean, 
as nice as as well written as something is, like the the storytelling. Yeah. Like I feel, yeah. and the thing is, it's there. It's somewhat different. You know, you're as harvester at Devil House, like my issues with them, but it's kind of it, it's rooted in the same central problem. Is that it's just it's too. He's trying to be... It's too ambitious. Like, you're right. Like, I hate to yeah. accuse anyone of anything. Obviously, they're speculating. But it really does feel like he didn't know how to end. Like, it just... I don't know how you can read... Like, how, like... in the Within the last few pages, he basically... You know, the, the main character is like, Yep, it's all... No, nothing matters. It's all meaningless. You know, LOL. Yeah. Sorry. Like, it just... I, I don't know. That... Is that really the best ending that he could have yeah, dealt I, with? I, I, I don't I, know. I, I think, you know, like... It, it's kind of... You know, I, I I guess at the end, like I guess Gage technically counts as an unreliable narrator. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, it's not like he really does a ton of unreliable things in the book. Like yeah. you know, like like you know, as opposed to like you know the quintessential idea of like the unreliable narrator is, is you know Moby Dick. You know, and just the whole idea of just the first line, "Call me Ishmael," is like you're already doubting things mm-hmm. from that very sentence. Whereas like it's like it feels like that's what you know that's what Gage's job is is to be a true crime writer and to sort of uncover this stuff you know so mm-hmm. yeah it's it's strange I, I don't know if you noticed this but I, and I, I I don't know if I'm going to describe this right but um, sometimes Darnielle will have this way of describing things and he will sometimes kind of try to like he'll take it into the abstract very quickly like you know, he'll describe something so, like a routine that somebody has, and then he'll just kind of philosophize on it. Yeah. For like, yeah. He likes to and go like, on tangents. Definitely. Yeah, and I see. I, I I think I am. I have been definitely guilty of that in my writing in the past, and I can see it in a lot of people's writing. You know, um, actually reminded me of uh, J.G. Ballard would do this a lot in in his writing, um, even though he's one of my favorite writers. Um, but yeah, I like, I, I, I kept finding that and I'm like, why is like, wh- why does everything have to come down to like this, the, the, this like philosophical treatise that you're trying to write in a way? <laughs> like, I, I, I don't know. I, I didn't get that, but I, I think, you know, to talk about ambition and to talk about experimentation, like this is kind of, um, you know, this is something that I see a lot in fiction nowadays, just in, in I think, in varying amounts, is that, you know, um, people seem to have, like, decoupled the text from its meaning mm. and, like, from its story. Um, like, the two aren't really the same anymore. You know? Um, people see, like, like in, in I see this, you know, I, I, I feel like this, this kind of it goes in different paths depending on what you're reading. You know, if you're reading something that's more like quote unquote genre, you know, like a like a fantasy or something like that, you know, you have a writer that's completely dedicated to the story and to the characters and the plot. And so as a result, the text that you're reading kind of suffers. You know, you end up having like kind of clunky lines and things like that and you know, the very little of like what you're but like I, I guess I always put it as, as like what you say is just it's just as important as how you say it. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is that you can often um, add more to a text and add more to your plot and what have you 
through the actual way you write mm -hmm. as opposed to just what you write with those sentences like what you communicate with those sentences and i think on the other side of all of this you know you have literary um writers who are doing the exact opposite you know who are completely dedicated to their philosophy in some ways and like that they have like some beautiful prose sometimes but they have no plot at all they have no reason to keep you like going in a way Mm -hmm. And I, I just I see this so often and I, I don't want to go on a huge rant here, but it's it bothers me so much. And it's something that I really wish I could remedy with my own writing because I, I just I'm so tired of sort of this this like the, the schism in a way because it, it you, you need both, you know, you need both there. Like it's it, it'd be like, I don't know, it'd be like listening to like a sine wave for like an entire hour. You know, with, 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 with like no other meaning. It's like, yeah, technically you could play a melody with a sound, with like, with like a sine wave, but like texture is an important part of music as well. <laughs> yeah, and it 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 felt like this was like you definitely had what, what you're talking about in all three of his books, and this was just kind of the culmination. Uh, like I, I, the excursions weren't too long, and I think you know there are some parts. You know, going through you know extensive details, talking about the teacher's routine, like trying to normalize or trying to explain, you know, why a norm normal person would do do what she did. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, that's what I keep coming back to is I felt like uh, Wolf and White Van was an excellent marriage of you know great writing, great prose, and you know, an actually compelling story that, that specifically, I thought, in terms of, of the, the books I've read recently, it had a fantastic ending. Like, it just, it was a, it was kind of like the, the, the perfect way to close out that book. And I, I know it's difficult to, you know, you're on page 400, how do you wrap this up? But mm. I just feel like this was not the best, <laughs> this was not the best way that that could have been. Yeah. That could have been I done, mean, unfortunately. I, I, I wonder if if we had, I don't know, if, if I had read more closely, if I had read it again, you know, whether I think maybe some details would come to light and sort of it would make that, it would sort of justify that ending to a point. But at the same time, I, I, I don't think that, you know, it's our job as readers to, you know, have to read a book twice to, like, especially of, like, of, you know, something along these lines you know to to quote unquote get it like you know i i, I think you know I, I think the writer has you know in some ways a job to you know like if, if you're going to be if you're going to write a story you know you want to make that story you know accessible in your in its own way like according to the laws of that book you know and you know just the way he stretches out everything and then kind of just pats in that that ending it, it definitely it, it's it, it it's kind of topsy turvy, mm -hmm. for sure. Um, you know, I I don't know. If, uh, there's one other thing. Yeah, I so in the Devil House section, there are like these mini sections that he subtitles. Well, what did you think of those? Because like I I couldn't make like sense of some of the title, like some of the reasons for the, some of those titles, like at all. Uh, it. In terms of like the specific meaning, I can't say I basically I agree with you that I it, I couldn't really 
parse out why exactly yeah. that was why you know why are we having a new section versus like you know the three daggers that were were used to to, to cut up the segments um like i think i don't know yeah. I, I get it like it, it, in a lot of times it felt like just overall it almost felt like a novella collection in a way yeah like it just it it, it and yeah, I don't know. I mean, it just—I I feel like it really took the rug out from under me. The, the, that that finale, just to feel like, yeah, like the fact that there were so many, you know, there were so many different parts. So you know that he, he you know, started tying it together at the end. Again, I really think it, it would have made sense that he reads the letter and then he decides to abandon true crime. Like, I mean, I think in some yeah. ways it'd be a little bit of an obvious ending, but I think it would have been. It yeah, would have made sense. It would have been logical. He, it would have made sense. He, he also talks about how he's like also written like regular crime fiction mm -hmm. too, you know. But 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 that doesn't come up ever again. Yeah. But I, I guess maybe that's kind of the point is that it he is kind of doing it again. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you know I, I I kind of forget you you brought up something that I was I was sort of reminded me of something else and now I can't think of it. <laughs> I, 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 oh, yeah, it was, like, the, sort of that, it does feel, like, very, like, um, it felt like a scrapbook, in a way, you know, like, it, it, it had this, you know, um, cobbled together quality, like, it, it almost felt like he was, like, oh, I have, like, all of these little scraps of writing, let's see if I can put them all together, and, like, that's not, I, I don't think that's actually a bad strategy, but I think if you go down that route, you, you need, like, a lot of editing, Mm -hmm. there and i guess maybe there just wasn't a lot of editing i don't know um i think what's really funny is i, I was looking on goodreads after um after i finished it and everybody is like most people are like pretty on board with the book yeah i um, was i was a little yeah. i mean I, I know uh what what was the what, is it never let me go Oh yeah, God. where like that that one where I I genuinely felt like I, I read a different book than everyone I, else. I that that is one of my least favorite books. I mean, I I don't really want to be a, a bastion for negativity, but I really dislike that book. Yeah, well, that's what I was gonna say. There have been times where I finished a book and I looked at Goodreads and I'm like, I genuinely like, did I did I read a different book? Like, if yeah. I, so I don't think it was that bad, just because um, I do think it was more well written. You know, it wasn't yeah. So like, I enjoyed reading it. It's just that again, it's how do you balance the? I don't know, but I I feel like it, it's hard to it's hard to have one element be bad. <laughs> like if you know, like when's the last time you watched a movie and you're like the acting was bad, but the movie was good. Like I feel like that's that's for, I mean I'm sure there are examples, but it's not. Yeah. It's, a, it's a and like you know vice versa that like. Um, Oh, I mean, I guess that's actually more. That's actually a decent example. Where, like, you didn't like the movie, but like there were certain performances that you thought were great. Um, yeah, I don't, and I, don't I, know. I think the inverse is true as well. Um, yeah, that you know, like they like for instance, um, like the uh, adaptation of Ender's Game. Um, one of my favorite books. Uh, really, really dislike the movie. But that being said, I think the score is fantastic. Mm -hmm. uh, Steve Jablonski does a great job with it. You know, really, just it feels like the book should sound to me. Um, yeah, but so so yeah, it's I, I I think you know it, 
it's, it's funny we're kind of on this conversation because um, I was kind of having very similar thoughts um, as I was, at, you know, at the end of it, of this book, because I was like, you know, I, like, it almost feels like reviews, like the review format is just kind of broken sometimes. Because, like, you know, you, you describe, like, you know, it, 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 it feels like such a, um, you know, just, just such a... It, surface like like a very shallow view of things to be like oh yeah this was good or that oh this was bad like it, it just feels like it never gets to the heart of it you know it like, like because there are so many there are so many little things that go in and all mixed together to make a book or just a piece of art in general and to just have somebody just you know spend 500 words or like a podcast episode you know talking about whether this thing was good or bad i just feel like it doesn't really doesn't really capture it in a way and it, it you know I, it's yeah i mean we, we, we've had an episode kind of talking about this before our, our critics conundrum episode um but you know it, it, it was just it really got to me this time because i'm like you know I, I i don't like i there there are parts of this book that i think are really good you know it's just the like adding that like they just don't add together you know, it, but but it's like to say it's a bad book is 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 kind of to kind of miss the point almost, and and to kind of leave out some essential goodness in it. Yeah, I mean, so yeah. the fact we've been talking about it for forty five minutes, there's uh, there's plenty you know, plenty to yeah. say. But, yeah, yeah, definitely. But, but yeah, it just it, it it really does feel like. Like, even though we've we spent a lot of time talking about what we don't like about the book, I mean the the things that we do like are are great. I mean I really do love his writing. I feel like he's um, he's only improved in that regard. I mean I think the fact that he, you know, not necessarily the page count means you're a good writer, but certainly he felt you know comfortable piecing the story together. And I do think that there there is a web, there is a network that would make everything make sense. I, th- I think mm. the the final act and the you know kind of the the medieval short story in the middle, you know, kind yeah. of like, you know, you know, push things off the rails a little bit. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, it, I don't think I'm going to give up on him. Like, I think yeah. I still, you know, how much I love the mountain goats, how much I enjoy, you know, the actual writing that he puts on the page. I think I'll still, you know, pre-order any new book that comes out, but certainly just, uh, just hoping that he can get back to what he had on Wolf and White Dan. I just thought, yeah. I thought that, I thought that that was just a great, a great example of what he is trying to do, like an ambitious format. You know, obviously like non-linear, the way it's being told, just a unique, unique characters, unique, um, unique, unique plot, and I just feel like that's what he's trying to replicate, and just not. Not yeah, I, I'm I'm gonna have to like you know I this definitely hasn't soured me on him either. Like I really do want to read Wolf and White Van and maybe Universal Harvester. I but definitely Wolf and White Van. Um, j- just based on just you know you describing it as like a choose your own adventure thing because like I'm like okay that that sounds cool. It's like it, it it's yeah. it's very cool and I think that what that book did well and I know we're not reviewing that book but there were things. In that book, there were things that he explained ambiguously or kind of left a, a dead end or a loose end. Um, and 
that the same could be true for this, and it actually is also be true for Universal Harvester. But while I think, I think that actually enhanced the plot in Wolf of White Band, I think that's kind of the central issue with his last two yeah. books is that the things he left unsaid, um, it just really didn't. And it's it's interesting that he. He's done this because Wolf went. I mean, uh, Universal Harvester has three distinct sections with different, um, like different characters. It, it kind of, and the way he tried to tie them together, it didn't work out that well. And I, I think that, that's kind of more or less the same issue, on here. Yeah. You, which I mean, he was on that track and then just didn't 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 work out for whatever reason. Yeah, I mean, I I think some of what you described is like you know I I think ambiguity is a powerful tool. Um, for a writer to use or for any artist to use. Um, but I, I, I think, you know, a writer a writer sets up the rules, like an artist sets up the rules of their art. And as a result, they have to follow them to a point. And if you don't, like you're not you're not setting yourself up for success. Mm -hmm. You know, I um there's uh the the Area X trilogy by Jeff Vandermeer kind of got me thinking about this for the first time, you know, a few years ago where, like, he sets up like, all these questions and none of them are answered. But it's the way he sets them up that they demand an answer. Whereas, like, you know, you read, like, Slaughterhouse-Five where there are certain things that aren't answered, like, you know, why is the narrator talking, you know, using like, you know, um, using the first person you know, is Billy Pilgrim, has Billy Pilgrim really gone, uh, you know, become unstuck in time, you know, like, things like that. You don't get an answer to those, but it's okay not to get an answer to them because he's not setting it up that you, he, it's, it's not like he's pushing the mystery of it in front of your face the whole time. Yeah, and, um, and I guess on that note, to end on a somewhat positive uh, yeah. uh, angle, uh, I think the central the question about like the, the the ethics around true crime you know, certainly he's not he's not the first person to bring it up it's it's been a very popular medium uh, for the last last decade it's really taken off in popularity mm, for um, sure. I think the central question of you know like who gets to tell these types of stories um, I don't think he really answered it but I think that the, what he presented was interesting it was an interesting perspective. Yeah. to come from uh, you know obviously his own gauge his own musings as a true crime writer like what is you know questioning his own craft yeah and then the specifically the letter from the mom of one of the one of the victims I think even though he didn't you know give a definitive answer like this is the this is the correct moral declaration about you know I, true crime I think that it was interesting what what he put forward in that regard was really interesting. yeah for, for sure. I mean, I, I think that that, you know, like, there are a lot of really powerful sections in it, you know, and I I think on top of that, you know, I, I, I think a really, I think a good writer, like, I, I think a truly good writer, you know, doesn't, um, let, let's, let's a reader come to their own conclusions, you know, that they can set up things, but they don't try to force it down someone's throat, in that they kind of let the reader, um, you know, like, like, they... They, they show the reader a vision, but they don't tell them that that is the only truth. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I guess, you know, props to John Darnielle <laughs> in, in that regard.
Yeah, and uh, I think he's been publishing. Uh, close out of the Wikipedia tab, but I feel like he's been publishing books at a pretty, pretty steady clip. You know, like a few, um, you know, like a few years between releases. So hopefully, we won't have to wait that long. Certainly, would like to see what he does next. I mean, the ideas he puts forth. I feel like it's gonna, it'll cook with me again. Yeah. At some point, I have to think, just because I think that all the there's there's so much so much good going into it, and even though it's not, not quite landing, um, for me, there's certainly a lot of potential that I I hope to hope to crack again yeah, at some point. For, for kind sure. of feel how I felt previously about yeah. his work. So, um, I guess, do you want, you want to talk about um, albums of the week? Yes, I would love to. Um, this was a was a cheap. Uh, well, I guess I'm I'm just going. Sorry. Uh, usually, usually <laughs> go for it. Usually we defer to each other. Um, just a really. This, when you listen to music enough, which obviously we both have listened to our fair share of music, uh, when you see a cover, when you see kind of the way that a band has presented, you know, their music, their album, and we've talked about this before that, uh, obviously. If, it, if an album's good but doesn't have a great cover, that's not the end of the world. But but it's it, it's kind of a holistic presentation that if you, you know, what what you put on the front cover, especially when you're trying to parse through a ton of music, um, you know, that's new or old, you go in the record store, like you you want to, you know, you want something that really catches your eye and gives you a good idea of what you can what you can. I uh, I I think I know what album you're talking about. Uh, I have to guess that I, I don't think you do. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, All right. But I heard of this artist. I think I listened to one of okay. one of their yeah. albums that came out a few years ago, and I thought it was. It's just it's weird because they were described as kind of like a weird experimental art pop artist. Artist, and that album I listened to was very. It was like very conventional. Like it was kind of what you'd expect. Um, I think this is the album that people were talking about. This was a really, really fun, zany pop album. And it is uh, Who Kill by Tune Yards. Um, okay. And I believe, let me just quickly look it up. I believe it was their album that they released, you know, back in like 2019, 2020. Oh, yeah, it was 2018. Was, I could feel you creep into my private life. Where it felt like a you know a slightly artsy synth pop record, and it was it was fun, but it wasn't anything crazy. This this is pretty zany. It's uh, like art pop meets freak folk meets a like kind of a weird amalgamation of of genres, kind of in that spectrum. There's like some funk. There's some really really fun cool ideas, um, and it was really cheap and it had a cool cover, and I'm glad I picked it up because I I, uh, I also have some albums on my stereo I put it 20 like the volume to 20 so I put it 25 based on just for whatever reason those are like the two knobs uh, I probably should have put this to 20 but I put it to 25 and then I was kind of sitting down just like the volume of you know like the, 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 the it just really accentuated the raucous high energy delivery and I think that's probably why it, it helped, you know, helped, you know, cement how I felt about the album because it just really, it felt like a, like it was right there with me, just this really intense, but fun and, you know, 
experimental but still accessible and still you know still catchy just uh unfortunately i they don't have a lot of records before the record that i listened to and was not a huge fan of um but i think they're on nicky knack um fantano was a fan of so definitely uh definitely going to follow them a little bit more closely because i if this is what they sound like if this is you know if they ever return to this specific aspect of their or the kind of iteration of their sound uh i'm all over it you know it it's i i so i i, I don't doubt um your enjoyment of the music but w when you brought up the volume being up that loud you, you know that that's a way that um uh salesmen will will sell stereos to people that 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 they'll they'll make the quality seem better by actually making the stereo louder yeah no i mean, I mean yeah. that definitely um, which i i yeah I, i'm not saying that that's the case I, I i just it just reminded me of that i'm like i i it's it's i i think it's just because music is just such a you know it's it really gets deep in sort of like you know sort of the primalness of like our own humanity in a way um and i think being able to experience it louder like i think it's why like people are like you know ecstatic about seeing sun live yeah exactly i mean yeah. i think for me i usually base the volume on like okay this is this is just too much like i i, I am trying to work you know yeah like, i am trying <laughs> i am trying to focus to some degree um but yeah, yeah. i'm just like the way that the first track hit i was like oh okay because i was gonna get up to turn it down but i was like "Ooh, this is uh this is hitting me in just just the right way yeah so yeah sometimes it just works out like that um yeah so um my album of the week is actually uh just came out this friday um you know i i saw it on Bandcamp um a couple weeks ago when it got announced and i wasn't i wasn't initially going to listen to it but the album cover really interested me and um sort of the description of it really sounded cool too um i i part of the reason i didn't want to listen to it is because i don't think they're making a cd version of it and i've kind of made uh, a goal this year that i just won't even listen like in, unless unless we review something mm -hmm. you know but i i usually will not listen to something that doesn't have a cd release to it because i'm like what why bother anymore mm. <laughs> in a way um Anyway, I, I but I'm really glad I, I actually listened to this because I really enjoyed it. It's called uh, Parallel Weaving, um, and it's by uh, it's a collaboration by uh, so their names are uh, Sheng Ji and Sheng Jing, um, and you you bet your ass if it's a Seishira episode we're not pronouncing it right. <laughs> um, <laughs> but anyway, this is a, a really cool. Uh, I guess it's you know I I think it's improvised. Um, album by uh from uh wv sorcerer uh records um who have been doing some really really cool music uh curating some really really great uh like uh experimental music out of like asia and um this is just ah oh, this thing is a fucking amazing it is like i so it's electric cello and percussion um but it's fed like the the cello especially is just fed through so many effects that it's just like it, it, it's basically a noise album in for a lot of it um it is just chaotic as fuck uh and just it sounds so cool um 
I really love this thing. Like, I really, really hope that they make a CD version of it because I would buy this thing in a fucking second. Uh, not to mention, like, again, the album cover is really cool. It's like these, like, I think it's like praying hands, and like, but it's like they're like stamped, like hand stamped over and over again, um, all over the album cover. It looks really cool. Um, yeah, just really, really great album. Fucking love this thing. Nice. Um, that, that cover so, looks. I really like that. I really, really yeah, like that presentation. Right? It, 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 it kind of, like, it's, it's one of those album covers that I think, like, kind of communicates the music, strangely enough, mm. really nicely. That it, like, it has this, you know, chaotic quality to it. But I think there's still something to kind of, like, fall back on. Um, like, it's it's not like it's this, you know, it's not like it's Murzbows, where it's just, like, a harsh noise wall for, like, the entire album. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's just really, oh, it's just really really interesting listen for sure so um yeah <laughs> that that's all i got nice well this has been another fun episode and for sure look forward to uh getting back to you next week thanks for listening yeah yeah all right bye, bye. Thanks for listening, guys. And uh, if you're interested, uh, you know, if you want to hear more, just, you know, listen to us on uh, iTunes, Pod, Apple Podcasts, Android Podcasts, anywhere you can get a podcast, basically. Uh, we're on all of it. Uh, if you follow us on Anchor, too, you know, whatever works for you. And uh, definitely be sure to follow us on Twitter. And if you ever have any suggestions, topics you want us to talk about or questions, anything like that. Uh, be sure to email us. Yeah, uh, we're at, at Seishira Podcast on Twitter, and our email, I think, is Seishira Podcast at gmail.com. And, uh, yeah, as always, thanks for listening. Yeah, appreciate it a lot. Bye.